This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Imagine this, you and someone named Bob live in the same neighborhood and go to the same school, but you never noticed each other. One day, you and Bob become friends in school, and since then, you notice Bob everywhere. When you're walking to school, when he's jogging around the park, when he's eating at the nearby Kopitiam. He hasn't changed his routine and neither have you, it's just that you're noticing him. How does this work? What's the connection between memory and perception? I'm Darshan Johan and this is Today I Learned. On the show with me today is Dr. Chua Sok Ning. She's a psychologist and the founder of Relate Malaysia. Dr. Chua, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Darshan. What does memory mean from a psychological perspective? Well, that's a big, big question. <laughs> Let's start with a huge question. So I think all of us, um, so we have basically two types of memories. We have short-term memory. Uh, where your working memory comes under. So if I ask you to, okay, just can you just remember five, four, three, two, one? Let's say you have to repeat to yourself five, four, three, two, one, but eventually you forget about it, right? So you're holding it quite actively in your memory. Right. And the other one we have long-term memory, and that could be uh, explicit, so you're conscious of it. It could be unconscious, implicit memory, like how you learn how to ride a uh, a bike. Or mm-hmm. play table tennis. You know, you're not really remembering how your 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 muscles work, right? So there's right. motor memory there. Um, I guess the one that you're more interested in is of the conscious <laughs> memories, and so you have these what we call episodic memories, right? Read about like basically episodes, and then semantic memory, which is like general knowledge about the world. So. Going deeper, I think we're honing in on this idea of these episodic memories and what draws our attention to, okay, listeners, that's what introduces Bob, but he actually introduced it to me as Achong. Right. <laughs> now Achong is in my head. And now, now I'm like, okay, I notice Achong everywhere. Right. <clears throat> and and how does that work, right? So one, one function of memory is to help us uh, make meaning of things, make sense of the world, right? And right. so it's actually, it's not independent of what matters to us. Our goals matter, uh, help us remember certain things and encode certain things. Um, our life story, right? So it's not right. just like uh, like a camera that's indiscriminate and just like taking pictures of everything, mm-hmm. right? It's a, There's already a filter uh, depending right. on who you are. So you didn't notice our Chong because you... He didn't matter to you. Mm-hmm. And then one day he matters to you and you start noticing him more, right? right. But if it was a that a chance encounter with someone that you forgot about, mm. you wouldn't remember him. You would right. the next time I bet you meet a chong like two months later, he says, That's from where we met before. You're like, is it? Right. Exactly. <laughs> that tends to happen sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, what's your name again? What's your name? Right. Again? <laughs> so right. So it it um it's not it's not that we didn't encode it, it's just we didn't retain it because it didn't mm. matter to us, right? I mean, right. we we if our sensory system picked it up, we picked up his face, we picked up where he went, we just didn't have to retain it because it wasn't important, it didn't matter, like where does it fit into who we are? Nothing until we, we got to know our trunk. Right. So <clears throat> um what factors contribute to our ability to recall something? 
Well, obviously, uh, you know, your brain, right? Mm-hmm. So if you you need a healthy brain to be remembering things, the certain areas of your brain, you know, that's corresponding with emotions, your amygdala, your frontal cortex, so without going into like specific parts of your brain. So if you've got a good working brain, right. that's, that's important because we see that for uh, the elderly with maybe Alzheimer's disease, right? So mm-hmm. it's not so much like... Um, they had motivation to forget, but the inability to remember and to encode things were affected by the health of their brain, or right. even your the your the health of your neurons. Right, you're mm-hmm. not you're not connecting properly, you're not firing. So, assuming everything is working, then you have, you know, who you are. Maybe your beliefs, your values, your attitudes, your goals. So, right. there's a certain, I think, motivational aspect of remembering. But also some things that are, are terrible, often we remember really terrible things, right? It's mm-hmm. also very adaptive for us to remember what bad things happen. Right. And it feeds into uh, how we see ourselves, which then influence again how we, what we pay attention to, right? So let's say, um, let, I'm, I'm stuck with Archong Dashran. All right, let's go with Archong. So now, 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 I, now I remember him. I hopefully I'll, I'll get rid of him and exercise him for my working memory. Um, let's say Archong came up to you and slapped him, slapped you. Mm-hmm. Right? And Archong was a tall man. Okay. Uh, and then for a while, so you what did you encode? Did you just encode Archong or you also encoded his physical characteristics? Right? Or you, or you encoded where you were in the situation. Maybe mm-hmm. you were in, in, a, in a coffee shop. And so for a while, you've uh, you start to feel a little bit nervous, right? When these little these cues that remind you of that incident come right. up, right? So you might be a tall guy, or you must be at a coffee shop, or it's a guy named Machong, and you have this. It doesn't even have to be conscious, right? It has could be an unconscious long term memory, but there's an impact on you. Now, let's say. A, so then you get a little bit nervous, but then Achong slapped you, and then you, and then you talked it out, and you realize he mistook you for someone else named Bob. <laughs> <laughs> and then you clarified, you clarified it. You're like, oh, okay, no, I'm not Bob. And then and then you don't need to retain it so much because it's not that meaningful. It right. wasn't dangerous. Achong wasn't like you know, tall men aren't, aren't threatening, mm. right? Uh, so then you might you might not retain it as much. The tall guy or the coffee shop, the setting, stop uh, priming you or, or activating that feeling of fear, and and then you can work through that. So there's motivation. Uh, there's like what makes sense to you, like looking up for danger, which is also motivational. Um, so and and what you want to pay attention to, like your goals, right? So if you are. Um, a business person and you know us salespeople especially I, I mean I really admire them um because like a good salesperson I think is amazing and mm-hmm. how how they can kind of like craft out whatever you put before them and linked it to their goals and their product right they right. like what do you want you want a car no problem I've got this this plastic sheet is really good for your car. You're like, what? You know, so <laughs> they're looking for opportunities, right? And, and so they're going to pay attention to these things and they're going to remember, oh yeah, you wanted that, right? So it fits into their uh, their goals and, and their projects that they have in their mind. Um, so that's, that, that's, I think, roughly what we pay attention to, what we encode um, and remember. 
could you explain also the role of, let's say, context and cues when it comes to um, memory retrieval, right? Because, for example, like sometimes uh, someone may tell us something um, and then we are like, oh, I, I can't remember. Uh, did I did I really watch that movie? I have no clue. Um, and then you say like, oh, but do you, do you remember it was like, you know, your, your, we went with the whole gang. It was like 10 of us. Um, uh, we skipped class um, to go to mm-hmm. the movie. And then you're like, oh my God, yes. You know, I, I suddenly mm-hmm. remember. Um, what is the role of these things, context cues when it, uh, to, to sort of trigger memory? Right. So, so memory isn't... Um it's not a perfect representation of anything, right? It's mm-hmm. not like a, a snapshot. It's not a screenshot. It's not a photo. But it's, it's this sort of pieces of information, right? Right. Uh, pieces of information that kind of hang together. And if you can, if there's a coherence and it makes sense to you, right? As I said, it fits in with your life story or things that matter to you, then you're more likely to um, be able to recall them right mm-hmm. but the construction of them like how accurate they are they, they may not be very accurate so you're only paying attention to certain key details it doesn't mean that you didn't uh pay attention to anything else right. but it's not what's going to recall that memory right it's not what you paid attention to so all these cues that you're talking about and if i let's say you say well we we skipped school and we hung out with friends and maybe that's what mattered to me more right mm. and that this is kind of like uh, network activation because we remember we have all these pieces of information that kind of hang together right right and then that forms that specific memory but sometimes we just have like random random sort of pieces of information that don't belong anywhere right and so over time those actually degrade like th- those are information that just degrade and we get rid of them um i i think a cute way to kind of remember is like inside out Right, mm. well, this like, and they 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 essentially our our brains are really good, and I mean our bodies are really good at pruning away things right. that um, don't matter to us. Um, so how how you know who did your friend really accurately remember what you did? Mm. Who knows, right? Right. <laughs> it's like, did you really eat KFC that day? You know, the, <laughs> I I don't know, but <laughs> um, but it it it's coherence that probably matters more to you to like oh right and then we did uh, something and yeah so this is kind of this blur memory but also it may not be situation specific because often when a lot of time passes what we've come up with it is sort of this abstract generic memory mm. right oh yeah times have gone with friends to watch movies right <laughs> right it's not it doesn't mean we specifically remember that time, especially if it wasn't very important or, or very meaningful or it was exceptional, right? We kind of collapse it to uh, a generic event in that sense. Right. Yeah. So you you mentioned, um, you know, memory sort of degrading over time, um, especially if it's not something that is very strong, something you hold on to very strongly, or maybe something you're not, you don't necessarily think about often. I mean, is that why we struggle to remember something um, beyond a certain age? And what I mean by that is, um, let's say if you say, okay, think back to what your earliest memory is. I think as I grow older, that earliest memory becomes 
older as well sometimes you know it's like maybe it, it when ages I, with you yes yes exactly yeah and and it's like you know when i'm 12 you ask me to think about oh you know do you remember that time when you're six years old and we went for a vacation to Langkawi mm. for example and you're like oh yeah I remember we did at least I might have like more vivid pictures in my head but now when you ask me to remember a vacation when I went to when I was six or five years old there's barely anything maybe I may right. remember a particular emotion or yeah. one particular thing like oh I got rashes because I went into the sea that was a bit dirty, for example. You know, yeah. something like that may stick out, but everything else sort of fades away. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's how often you reconstruct it too, right? How often mm. are you like recalling it and, and talking about it? Um, so, it, And it doesn't mean it's a false memory, right? right. But we've kind of like picked up certain things. So if it's a story of a six-year-old that you're often hear, or you're often bringing it up because it's for, for some reason or another is related to your current situation and mm. what you do right now. And so people ask you, oh, why are you a BFM? And you say, oh, well, because when I was six years old, right. Right, <laughs> I developed a rash. <laughs> and uh, so, and then I listened to the radio and some guy on the radio said, this is what you put on your arm. Right. And I thought, wow, the radio is full of really, uh, you know, important, you know, important people tell the important things on the radio and I want to be that kind of person right, right. so that become that that became part of you mm -hmm. and so you might be then narrating that to yourself very often so it's not that th that information doesn't have an opportunity great because you keep uh constructing it right right you keep recalling it and you keep talking about it and so then you there's just this idea of also shared memories right mm. and then you're sharing it with other people and so when you bring it up and you share it with someone else, that also encodes, it's connected to the, the first memory, but now you have a new memory, a mm. new event, right? That strengthens the first one, right? Strengthens right. The, the, the retelling of the first one. Because then you said, well, then I was talking to my boss about this and I told <laughs> him about the story. He says, wow, Dashran, you're amazing. I love your goals. You get a $100 <laughs> bonus, right? right? So then you're like, okay. So things build up. When we share it, we bring it up. Uh, we talk in, in different situations. Uh, the way other people respond to it can also shape uh, the information uh, con uh, related to that event. Um, so I think that's, that's what we're saying. But if it's not important... And the person that you are now has nothing to do with that rash. Like, in, in some ways, it's like, well, what's the motivation for you to remember that? Mm. Like, is it functional? Is there any use to that? You know? Right. Um, so if there's not, yeah, and you, you probably will let it go. Yeah. Right. Let's go for a very quick break. On the show with me today is Dr. Chua Suk Ning. She's a psychologist and the founder of Relate Malaysia. We will continue this discussion after these messages. Keep it here on Today I Learned, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Today I Learned. I'm Dashan Johan and on the show with me today is Dr. Chua Sok Ning. She's a psychologist and the founder of Relate Malaysia. And we're discussing how memory can shape our perception. Um, so Dr. Chua, that's um, the question um, of this topic. How does memory shape our perception of the present and the future, perhaps even our past? 
I could flip that around. I think a mm. perception shapes our memories more. Right. Right. Okay. Um, so we we know that. Okay, let's say someone who's depressed mm. has a, a negative bias, right? right? Because of the illness, and so you're more likely to pay attention to negative things that have happened, mm. right? Um, not because you're a, you're a downer, you know, not because, but it fits in to, again, how you're experiencing yourself, right? So that's right. what we call it, like coherence. Right. Um, so the way we see ourselves, or even our mood, we're more likely to recall things. Um, so if you're feeling down, then you're more likely to say, "Let me listen to a sad song." Right? There's this <laughs> mood congruence thing, right. and so we're more likely to then recall uh, events that fit the mood. Of, right. You know, so then you might recall, let's say, if you've been rejected by someone, then you might then recall all the other times you've been rejected. But it mm. is coherent, right? Because the all the other times of rejection actually is coherent with this event. Right. right, you're not you're not recalling things that are incongruous, things that don't fit into this um, the meaning of what has happened. So right. that's the coherence bit, and then the correspondence is like okay, to the extent to which your memory actually corresponds accurately to what actually happened. Mm. Um, that's rarely the case that it fully corresponds. So maybe just a bit. So it's not so much that your memory then shapes your perception, it's your, mem- your, who, your memory or the events shape who you are and what matters to you that then shapes how, what you pay attention to and right. what you remember. And then it's, then it's an ongoing process, right? Um, so that, that's, how, that's how it works roughly, yeah. Right. Um, before the break, you mentioned something interesting, right? That memories aren't like, you know, photographs or, or, or videos or, or something you recorded, right? They are sort of um, imperfect um, recollections or constructions of, of the past. And uh, I'm wondering how, you know, altered or inaccurate memories can impact our daily experiences, if at all. I, th- I think, so I'll go back to where you are right now in your state that you are or the mm-hmm. person that you are and not just the memories that impact you um especially because you're talking about inaccuracy of memories right but i think that because they're incomplete you may may only then remember let's say the negative things mm. and you may not rem- <laughs> okay let's go back to inside out because i think it's a great movie amazing um so. yeah and so it was that uh, sadness, right? They're just mm-hmm. always trying to get rid of sadness. And of course, Inside Out made it into like a movie, right? And right. it was like sadness. And if you played that movie on, then you remember that actually she got joy because she was comforted by um, by uh, people, right? Yeah. I think by her parents. By, yes. Yeah. But for, for a long while, all she remembered was uh, the sadness was bad, mm-hmm. right? She remembered the event uh, associated with sadness. So if that's all you remember and you didn't maybe pay attention or uh, about other things, then then again, it's that feedback loop of, okay, wow, all that has happened to me is negative. There's been no positive things. Mm. And it's not because uh, you want to, right? But it is very just natural for us to, again, be very concerned with what we retrieve. Um, So it really takes, I think, you intentionally... uh, trying to remember those mm. those uh, other other aspects about what happened or even you know what we do in therapy is we 
we process the event, right? And which is such a vague, jargony word of what right. we do in there. We process stuff and you're like, what does that actually mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, so in, in short, I think the best way to understand that is like when you talk about a really difficult experience with someone, not, not, not venting. Mm. Venting is just you talking, right? right? But when you talk to someone about this thing and the person... Uh, inquires well what happened next how did you feel and explores mm. it deeper so that you then have to think about it a bit more right you have to say would oh yeah what did she actually said say how did I actually feel so it's kind of like bringing up other uh things that happened in that event but then you're also recalling and talking about this in in an environment that it's safe Mm -hmm. that someone's really trying to understand you, uh, someone's being compassionate and empath empathetic, and those things that influence the uh, the valence or the, and the emotion of the event, the emotions that you then feel in association with that event. Right. So the next time you think about it, it's not as intense. Mm. The next time you think about it, now you have new information in oh yeah, talk to a, a, a really compassionate, it could be a friend, it could be a therapist. And yeah, it's still really painful, but now the pain is accompanied by comfort right. and and sympathy and you thinking and connection, right? So mm -hmm. it's not pure pain. So sometimes if you don't talk about anything at all, we kind of lock it in and nothing else kind of gets in. I mean, that's a that's not a <laughs> technical way of thinking it, but I think it's an easy way of thinking about if we only recall and we reconstruct over and over again, that guy was so mean to me, right? right. And we never pay attention to anything else and always say, that guy was so mean to me and that guy was so mean to me. <laughs> First of all, we actually forget the, the details. Right. We have collapsed to this kind of this thing of that guy was mean to me. What right. actually happened? Well, I don't really know what he said exactly, but I remember he was yes, meeting, right. <laughs> so that's because so we, you remember the meaning. So it's really sometimes helpful to go through. Well, what actually happened, and what did you say, and what did you do, and and uh, that's what we we mean by processing it. So not just venting and not just you telling your story, but we can do it together. Right. And that that makes a difference. I want to circle back to the example. Um, in the introduction about Bob slash Achong. Um, <laughs> and I think that's something very fascinating, right? Because I have um, experienced this before and I'm sure many, many people have where like I make a, I literally, you know, make a new friend in college um, and then they, then we, you know, we just start getting to know each other and then we are talking about, oh, you know, where do we like to uh, lepa and where do we live and, and so on and so forth. And he's like, oh, I, I live in this neighborhood. And and I'm like, wait, I live in that exact neighborhood as well. How come I've never seen you before? But then the next day I wake up and then I'm going for a walk and then suddenly I see this person and then suddenly I see this person in a kopitiam and suddenly I'm seeing this person everywhere, like how you someone in, in your neighborhood, you know, they are doing their day-to-day -day activities around your house, around your house. How does that work when you suddenly engage with something and then you start to see them everywhere? It's like this idea of um, you never noticed, let's say, you know, you, you are looking at cars every day, but you never noticed, let's say, I don't know, Honda Civic, for example. 
And yeah. then you buy a Honda Civic yourself and suddenly mm-hmm. Honda Civics are everywhere. You know, right. you, you are driving around and they're like, oh, that's a car, that's a car. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, how come I never noticed this before? I, I'm right. wondering if this perception where you, you know, you're, you're, you never notice something that's always been there in front of you. And yeah. is it impacted by memory? Or how, how do you see it? I mean, that, Dashman, that sounds like a, the tagline to a, a rom-com. <laughs> <laughs> I never noticed her standing in front of me. Yes. <laughs> um, I guess the question that uh, comes to mind is like, should mm-hmm. you have noticed a chunk? Mm-hmm. Like, why Why should you have noticed Hondas? Right. I mean, you know, your, your, your brain and, and uh, your attention is limited. It, mm-hmm. Are we supposed to pay attention to every single thing? I mean, that's so overwhelming. Right. Right. So why... Kind of like, why should you have paid attention to that Chong? He, he didn't mean anything to you. Mm-hmm. And sure, now that you have an interaction with him and maybe you like him or you don't like him, right? But there's some kind of feeling mm-hmm. towards him. And there's uh, then there's greater meaning of a Chong in your life or even the Honda Civic. Now mm-hmm. you think, okay, yeah, that's my car now. That's, it's more meaningful to you than just a car. Right then that's when you pay attention to things. But otherwise, I mean, can you imagine if we remember every single thing that went through our senses, that we mm-hmm. saw or heard? I mean, wow. We would that's just be overwhelming. overwhelming. Yeah. You'd be overwhelmed right. with just memories, mm-hmm. first of all, of, of like, you have to, it's like watching, and, and where's your space for new things? How can you be present in the moment, Right. right? Um, how can you tend to what's new if your your mind is always thinking, okay, and then I saw this guy, <laughs> this guy was right. in a blue shirt, and this guy. So um for, fortunately, I th- I think uh most people are able to we we are evolved to um just pay attention to things that matter mm-hmm. and let things go that don't, um, things that matter to us. And so there is, you know, I guess in some ways it is quite it's self-centered, maybe, or even but it's also our values, right? Because right. we need things to be coherent and meaningful to us. Um, and I think that's adaptive. Right. Uh, Dr. Cho, how susceptible is memory to distortion? And I I'm suddenly I remember this film, um, um, Knives Out 2, where I think the director sort of did something very interesting and, and ties to my question, right? So basically in the film... Um, you know, it's a murder mystery, blah, blah, blah. And, and this one particular plot point is they are trying to find out what, who spiked the drink. So, did mm-hmm. you know, basically, so who held the cup last and, and what was going on? So when you're watching the movie the first time, which is real events of what's going on, you see um, someone almost put the cup down on the table, but then someone else takes it, right? And then... Um, but as the film, it's a very quick scene. It's not like something they really zoom in and make you, you know, focus on something. It's a very quick scene. The movie progresses. And then later on, um, each the person is telling their own story. And then this the characters keep saying, I didn't put the cup on the table. Or maybe they're saying, I, 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 yeah, I didn't put the cup on the table. Someone just grabbed it from me. And then in your head, you are just recognizing it like, okay, someone grabbed the cup from him, you know, and, and that's, how your memory switched. And then later on, when they reveal what happened again and you're seeing the same thing again, it's the opposite of what people told you. So in that same thing, you quickly saw something happened. Another person said something slightly different happened. 
and you just believe them immediately because you know you're not really focusing on what exactly happened when it actually happened and then later when when they reveal you're like oh my god it's like your memory you the way you remembered something like actually like changed because someone else gave you another piece of information now that information may be fake it may be false it may be just to throw you off or whatever and you realize that you are actually you actually saw that but you're trusting someone else because they give you another piece of information i'm mm-hmm. i'm wondering how susceptible are uh, is our memory to distortion i mean pretty susceptible mm-hmm. um again i think I mean, we're not Daniel Craig. Unfortunately, we're not trying to solve a murder mystery. And, I, and and if you are, and that's your job, then you are more likely to pay attention to certain things, mm. right? We we know that uh, individuals and who whose job it is to investigate and to pay attention to the environment or to how people are behaving. If you're in, if you're a spy, let's say. Um then you pay attention to these things and and because you are trained to do that, then you're less likely to probably um, accept what other people say because you are focusing on it. Right. right? But as you said, you didn't focus on it. And is that detail, was that, is that detail really meaning for you, uh, meaningful to you? Like, is there a reason you don't want to trust this person? So, like, what are the consequences? Because it was a random scene, mm-hmm. right? You didn't integrate into yourself, right? right? Um, whereas if your job, I don't know, you're a cup manufacturer, <laughs> and you, you notice that cup was a beautiful cup, and you mm-hmm. notice how people handled that cup, and so you paid attention to it, even though um, you didn't realize how important a clue it was. And right. that person then tells you a different thing. You'd be like, no, I was I was attending to that. Right. Right. So if we attend to things, um <clears throat> I, I think not just unconsciously, but consciously, then and we are, it actually fits into what we know and our knowledge base and our expertise, mm. then we're less likely to, I think, doubt what we see because we we are trained also, or you train yourself, or it's right. meaningful to you. But if it's not, sure. I mean, it's distorted, but did, is that distortion meaningful? Maybe right. not, right? Right. So then you're happy to let it be like, sure, okay, whatever. Okay, right. you take the cup, take the cup, lah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you put the cup, don't put the cup down, lah. Why? I care. You know, that kind of right. response, right? Like, right. why are we arguing about this? I don't really care. So I'm wondering you're happy if... to let it be distorted. I, on just to dig into that further, right? Because I do you then like is what is saved in your brain essentially changed? So, for example, if like I said, we are talking about things that are seemingly meaningless, right? Because if it's something very important for you where you are focusing on all the details, then it's a little bit different. So, I let's say I come into the house, um, and then you know I. Uh, uh, you know, f- forgot to to lock the door, and then I went to the toilet, and then I quickly I came back, and then I locked the door, and yeah. then um, you know, my my partner says, oh, you know, like few few weeks down the road, it's like, hey, do you remember that that day where you came in, and then you locked the door, and then you went to the toilet? It's it's, mm-hmm. it's different. I didn't go to, in in what actually happened was I went to the toilet first, and then I locked the door. But uh-huh. now what my partner is saying, I locked the door, and then I uh-huh. went to the toilet. So okay. obviously it's something that's not important. We're not trying to solve a murder right. mystery. It's just whatever. <laughs> uh-huh. 
two years down the line, wow. when I'm telling the story to someone else for whatever reason, uh-huh. is now my memory what my partner said it is? It, it ah. just like is that is that the new reality in in, in essence? You know, based on this imperfect yeah, yeah. things, does yeah. that become my new reality? It could be, or right. maybe you remember it. You know, I had an argument argument with my partner over right. the sequence <laughs> of me locking the door. Right. Which actually, to be honest, my short term memory failed as soon as we got to your partner. I was like, I don't know who locked the door first. Right. Why did you go to the toilet? Uh, <laughs> so it could. Could be that you're telling two years later what you remember was an argument with your partner mm. about the sequence of things. Right. You know, and you may not even remember which one happened first unless you do it all the time, right? right. You you keep to your schedule. I but you see, I always lock, I always go to the toilet first, then lock then the door. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I always do that. And then one day after she said, You didn't. Wow. But so if it's a something, because it's a sequence, it's a habit, it's, it's a, a firmly ingrained, right? It is your long-term, this is what you always do. So you know. And then what you then encode is a new event associated with this one about an argument with right. your partner. But if it wasn't a sequence that you are very familiar with, and maybe sometimes you change it up, it's inconsistent. Maybe all that you remember is I argued with my partner about a sequence. Mm. And I and I said, no, I locked the door first and then went to the toilet. But she said, you went to, so you might even switch that around. Right. Because that isn't the important thing. The important thing was that this conflict with your partner arguing about what happened, right? Mm. So again, we're encoding what is important to us and we can kind of collapse, you know, or even kind of switch up or maybe you can distort um, what was less important right. to us, right? Um, and But then what's important, you remember, uh, maybe sometimes more accurately or maybe this person always gaslights you so you always pay attention mm. you know you because you know that person is going to question your memory so you said okay you know i'm going to really remember right so that that's what you remember too right because you now are attending and there's a motivation for you to attend to but otherwise you let it go incredibly fascinating all right before we wrap this conversation up would you have some final thoughts on memory and perception I, I think, I mean, I've been, t- I talked briefly about depression mm-hmm. and I've been thinking about this idea of the things we don't pay attention to. Right. Right. on our perception um, and how we can often miss out then like 90% or 99% of the other things. And mm-hmm. so and our focus, I mean, generally tends to be on the negative things. Right, we often pay attention to negative things, and so I am trying to, and maybe this is for your listeners too. Not, it's not about being optimistic or, or Pollyanna-ish, but it's just to pay attention to the positive things around you without dismissing them. Right, like this person was nice to you, don't dismiss it and says, "Oh yeah, they did meet it." Then we don't recall, right? Right. Just pay attention to what happened, how the person was nice, how you felt. You know, uh, I think that is actually really adaptive too for our well-being rather than automatically encoding things um, that always fit in with uh, our life story. You know, pay attention to the unexpected or the different. And on that note, Dr. Chua, thank you so much for joining me today. 
Thanks for having me. That was Dr. Chua Suk Ming. She's a psychologist and the founder of Relate Malaysia. If you missed any part of our conversation, you can also check us out on podcasts. We're available on Spotify, the BFM app, or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Darshan Johan, and this has been Today I Learned, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.